What's up, what's up? Welcome to another episode of the Mid Sports Podcast. Caleb, what's up, man? Not much. Uh, you like that intro music a little better now that it's not, uh, I think you called it boy band-esque? Yeah, I don't want to start singing, you know, some little sappy in sync or Backstreet Boys song. So yeah, I'm, I'm digging it. I like it. I think we'll keep it. Um, big show for you guys today, man. Uh, you know, I'm pretty excited. We've got a, a special guest interview today, Miss uh, Shari Lowry, uh, an old personal friend. Uh, before we get to that, Caleb, anything you want to talk about? Uh, I mean, I definitely want to talk for a second about the new look, uh, calves before we get to that though. Um, we're, we're just going to let the interview kind of end the show. So at just a quick reminder, uh, send us an email at the mid sports pod at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at the mid sports pod. If you would like to get on with us and talk about, anything as you'll see in the interview it is pretty much open to whatever direction that you guys want to take it but yeah marcus uh thoughts on the cleveland cavaliers and that whole giant trade where it started off the day i think you said uh you sent me a text that was no it wasn't thomas you sent me a text about one of them uh and then it just kept happening that like every two hours or every one hour there was a new Cleveland Cavalier on the trade block. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think the Cavs got younger, more athletic, everything they needed to do. Um, They took on a little bit more money, but, you know, I think it was a great trade for them, and they they promptly came out and put a beat down on on their, uh, you know, division-leading rivals in Boston. So, you know, judging by one game and judging by the future, they did everything they needed to do. They got younger, they got more athletic. And, you know, to be honest, with them not giving up that Brooklyn pick, I think that they uh, prepared themselves for if LeBron James decides not to re-sign next year, um, they still have a decent nucleus of talent and hopefully a high draft pick. Yeah, I was trying to decide if this was a attempt to keep LeBron around by appeasing him or if it was saying, hey, uh, we're building a team with or without you. Hopefully you stay around. But we'll see. I don't know how to get gauge that one game. I mean, it was a, it was definitely a big turnaround. You can definitely tell they're more young and energetic and can actually uh, play a little bit of defense. Um, but well, I guess I we'll, we'll have to see if it's going to play out uh, that way into the future. But as far as <laughs> that quick turnaround, not really playing together, they immediately looked like they had more chemistry than that team that had been playing together all year. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see Dwayne Wade go back to Miami. I thought that was a cool deal of them, and we'll see what the Lakers decide to do with the Isaiah Thomas. But um, but now we're going to talk about movies. We're going to talk about sports. We're going to talk a little college football, um, and we'll talk about the golden age of TV and where the um, studio movie industry is going. So without further ado, let's get to our interview with Shari. And joining us on the show today is a guest, a personal friend of mine, Shari Lofton. How you doing? Doing good. Doing well. How are you, Marcus? I am fantastic. Caleb, how are you? I'm great. Drinking a little uh, whiskey and just chilling. It's good. Awesome. Good time for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, as I said, Shari, personal friend, you and I have known each other, what, uh, I guess almost 10 years now? Oh, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Decade. Good night. Um, so... 
we play in a fantasy football league together. Um, that, you dominate. I, yeah, I currently I am the current champion, um, but I think you've won twice, right? Yes, I have. Okay, so oh, both, nice. both of us have won this league twice now. There has been no uh, three-time winners yet, so we're all at a race. <laughs> so uh, I'm pretty pumped to, to look forward to next season. Um, but before we get started, Shari, tell us who, you, who what your favorite sports are and, and uh, who your teams are. Uh, my favorite sport to follow is by far probably football, both uh, college and professional. Um, I was born and raised in Alabama, so when you were born and raised in Alabama, you have to make a choice pretty young on what team to root for, whether Alabama or Auburn. So our family's always been Alabama fans, going all the way back to my grandparents. Um, as far as professional, um, I'm a Cowboys fan, mainly because my dad, he was a Cowboys fan, and, you know, I just latched onto that. Ironically, my brother is a Buffalo Bills fan, so that was fun uh, coming up, uh, especially, you know, playing two years in the Super Bowl. Right. Um, but by far, I would say, you know, football is my favorite, you know, with the fantasy football. I love fantasy football with Dallas being a crap show these last, you know, 25 years. Fantasy's really kept me interested in the game and has actually made me more knowledgeable as a fan because I, I pay attention to other players and other teams, not just, you know, one team, you know. So it's definitely right. kept me interested in football. Um, basketball is definitely was my first love because I played basketball. But I would definitely say football is just, you know, my favorite sport, definitely. I got to say, um, I, no, I've known your brother just as long as you, obviously. And um, you're the least obnoxious uh, uh, of the two Alabama fans. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I'm sure everyone out there who has ever talked to an Alabama fan before knows how obnoxious they could be. Um, but I'll, I'll give you props that you're not as obnoxious as he is when it comes to Alabama. How did you feel about that championship game? It was, um, I mean, honestly, <laughs> in the middle, you know, obviously you're happy your team wins, but you, you reflect on how kind of things went down, and you kind of wish some, some things didn't happen the way they did. But in the end, you know, the coach has to make the decisions that are right for the team, who gets benched, who gets who gets to play, and – the right players were in the game, and you saw, you know, what the result was. I just thought, um, had uh, we inserted Tua maybe a t couple games sooner, we might have gone in undefeated. I don't think we might. Now I think, you know, Auburn was the game that you look back on. He could have pulled the trigger then and put him in. Um, we couldn't get anything going on offense, and we just needed to go laterally, and that's what happened with Georgia. They shut us down at the line of scrimmage. Nothing Jalen could do uh, was working. So. They made the change, and you saw, you know, it was just like a spark ignited. I mean, that kid you, had a rocket of an arm. Yeah, it's insane. Do you worry at all? Sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, do you worry at all about uh, the Kirby Smart uh, comeuppance kind of coming up in the future? I mean, Georgia just finished with the number one recruiting class this year, so it looks like he's trying. He's really building something that might be able to compete with Alabama for the near future. Absolutely. Um and I look at just the conference in general, look at all the changes that were made. Dan Mullen going to Florida and then Jimbo coming over to the West. Um, but Kirby Smart is definitely, you know, public enemy number one, just in the way he left the program. He's taken all the recruits. He's got the number one recruiting class. So definitely you see uh, that he's the, they're definitely the number one, uh, you know, 
contender as far as who can you know dethrone Nick. And uh, you know he has the same style. You know he learned from him. I see a lot of parallels with the way Georgia's come up and the way Alabama came back with Nick. You know when we had to finally get over Florida. You know we 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 had a heartbreaking loss to them in the 2008 championship uh, SEC championship. We had to finally get over that hump. So I definitely see the similarities, but I just hope it doesn't play out the same way. I hope we can stay up top. As a South Carolina fan, I'm definitely not stoked about Kirby Smart being in my division. Uh, it's it's not looking good for the foreseeable future. Although Muschamp, I think, is kind of turning around the program. It's going to be hard to compete with uh, that monster over at Georgia. Please forgive me. That was one of the teams I was also forgot to mention. With with you know, he had a great year last year with South Carolina. You know, just continuing to you know come out of the dumpster fire that was kind of left yeah, when yeah. Spurrier left. But I, I definitely think. South Carolina is a team that people should not, definitely should not overlook. Uh, but I think, you know, I don't think um, Alabama's just going to be um, the, the penciled-in champion from the uh, SEC anymore. I think those days are gone. I think the SEC is going to get its strength back. I mean, you talk about adding Jimbo to the SEC West. I, You know, being an Arkansas fan, I mean, we'll see what Chad Morris is, but there, there's been a lot of turnover. I still think that was a good hire, though. I do, too. I do, too. I think that you know, oh yeah, God, it was it was it was way past time, and um, you know, so I, I think the SEC is going to come back. I think I think the Big Ten um, is the deepest conference right now, but the the SEC it was Alabama and everyone else kind of, but I think that's going to start to change because with college sports, I mean, you see it in basketball right now. The SEC is probably going to put eight teams in the tournament, and yeah, so I mean, it's all about coaching in college in college sports, and uh, the the better coaches that you get the more teams and the more competitive it's going to be. So I, I'm excited for uh, for the upcoming season. Now, let me ask you this. What do you think happens to Jalen Hurts? Does he transfer? Does he does he hang around on the bench? There's no way they, they go back to starting him over Tua, right? We might have him one more year at the most. Um, I think he might be willing to hang out and be a team player for one more year, but you have that, you know, he, if he graduate, get that grad transfer thing happening, um, there's a lot of programs that would love to do, you know, ha- have him because they have a skill set that's more conducive to what he can do. Uh, oh, I know a lot of people like Texas, you know, with Tom Herman when he was in Ohio State, he had guys like, you know, Cardell Jones and JT Barrett, you know. Um, so, you know, I think maybe we keep Jalen one more year, um, but I do eventually see him transferring. I just don't think. Well, he would have to sit a year either way. Might as well sit a year and get another national championship ring. Exactly. So, um, and there's no way I see Tua giving up the starting job his senior, his junior year. You know, so right. Exactly. He's he's not he's not long for Tuscaloosa now. Um. All right. So, what are you looking forward to now? Are we? Are you looking ahead to the NFL draft? Are you? Have you shifted your focus to the NBA season? Where Where do you lie right Surprisingly now? Surprisingly enough, every year I always mourn the Super Bowl because I haven't really had much to keep myself invested into NBA wise. But I have been following a lot of NBA just because of the the crazy trades and just just kind of the uncertainty. Because I know Golden State still Golden State, but Somewhere in the back of my mind, I just don't feel like it's going to be a cakewalk like it's been for them. And it seems like it'll be fun watching the other teams scrap it out to see who you know gets there, gets to play them. Uh, I am looking forward to, obviously, the combine and then the draft. But then after that, it goes dark for, like, what, four months? So yeah. I'm definitely trying to get in, invested in the NBA 
so much as a, a fan of the league in general. Um, you know, the Grizzlies are a crap show. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, so it's just it's really the state of basketball in the city of Memphis is really in general just not great. So I'm just Ooh. trying to stay invested in basketball as, you know, the news and, you know, the all-star games coming up. So, you know, it should it should be something to keep me entertained, but not necessarily, you know, well, into it so, as so. much. Before we completely transition to the NBA, which I do want to do, uh, but you mentioned the whole gap uh, after the Super Bowl, which uh, we just talked a couple weeks ago. It sounds like that the XFL, when it comes back in 2020, is is trying to pick up in that gap. It, I think they said that they're going to start their season like the week after the Super Bowl. Is that something that you're going to give a chance uh, as someone who's like a football fanatic so that the football season doesn't end and you don't have this dead period here? Or do you think it's probably going to be a crap product? I, I followed the XFL the first time around because I'm also a wrestling fan. You know, I grew up a wrestling fan. So, I mean, sure, why not? I'll, I'll watch it. Um, whether do I think it'll succeed? No, um, but I definitely will watch it. I think it would be entertaining either to watch the the train wreck or or just to watch this <laughs> general inter, uh, entertainment. Um, you know, Memphis had a team the first time around, Memphis Maniacs. So yeah, Memphis we won, Maniacs. right? Who, who was our player that we had? We had one guy. Wasn't he? He hate me? Was it, it? Was it? I don't know if it, we had. He hate me, but I know he hate me was. Oh, he hate me was Vegas or Los Angeles. Or okay, but we had a guy. I know. Um, I can't I recall. But yeah, so I mean, I'll, I'll give it a. I'll give it a watch. Uh, but I don't have uh, high hopes for it. I just no, don't think. I don't think it'll it'll stick. It's just it's like that a three on three thing that Ice Cube tried to do. It's just you know. It's just—it's hard to try to uh, bring in a new sport I into America. That, you yeah. remember that? Yeah, it was just like it is kind of <laughs> like <laughs> fell, fell flat. It was a great idea, but then I, I turn around and like you know we we turn on the TV and we see Jason Williams' knee basically just explode on impact. And goes MIA. Yeah, and it's like okay, do I really want to watch forty-year-old dudes play basketball? Not really. I could go, you know, I can go to the gym and watch that. It's like seeing the new edition reunion, and they're all bloated and they're sweating. I was like, I don't know about. Yeah. We don't really need it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like let my memory of you, you know, keep keep because now I see I can't I can't see white chocolate again, you know, in his grizzly. <laughs> These are king uniform. I just think of now as blowing his knee pieces Oh man. And yep, so, so yeah, I agree with you. So I don't think I, I see the XFL having the same XFL 2.0 or whatever you want to call it. Well, there's actually another league. I can't, I can't think of the name of it. Um, and I think it's in development now to where it's actually that you bypass college. Uh, you guys may have heard of it. I can't think of the name of it now, but um, it's starting in Southern California where they're going to pay these guys like three grand a month or something like that to where if they don't want to go to college or they get kicked out of college, they can go to this super competitive college football league um, and play ball and get ready for the combine for three years. So I, I'm curious – the only way I see that working out, the only way I see that working out super well is if they somehow allow them to play games against the college teams or something, maybe like non-conference. I don't know. I, I don't I just don't feel like they'd be able to fill out enough rosters for it to be competitive on a week to week basis. Well, I don't know because you you get, college football. I mean, you can get a D two guy or a D three guy that is just as talented, but you know they're coming from bumfuck Idaho or something like that to where they don't really get scouted as much or they don't get a shot to where, you know, it's one of those things that where maybe, 
you know, if you can prove that you can play with some of these D1 guys, JUCO guys that, you know, couldn't get their head straight on a college roster. So the talent could be there hypothetically. And instead of watching, you know, 30-year-old, 35-year-old guys play, we're still watching 18 to 21-year-olds play. So, you know, they're starting to hit that peak of their athleticism. So I think that would be better than maybe the XFL, who's probably just a bunch of NFL rejects is my my main guess, right? Yeah, well, I was, I was wondering if they're going to be able to uh, get people directly from high school for the XFL or if it's still got to be from three years out of high school or whatever the rule is. Three years removed, yeah. But didn't Lonzo Ball yeah. have, like, that idea for, like, the NBA, you know, just like an alternative to the, yeah know, going to college? If, yeah, if somebody can figure that out, because there's obviously money there. Look, I mean, I, I don't think anybody will dispute that the NCAA is a big crock of shit. So if, you know, you're going to, if you're going to pay a kid coming out of high school, uh, it's got to be a livable wage, I imagine. I mean, you, you could even say, hey, we'll pay you. Oh, I think LeVar Ball's idea was 50 grand. I think it was 50 grand per player per year. Um, and instead of going to, to high school or going over, or sorry, instead of going to college or going overseas, you come, you make 50 grand. Um, and you play your way to the NBA. Uh, it's it's a great idea if it can be marketed correctly and if you can get the talent right. right. So I mean, it's just like it's just like when you're recruiting for your school. If you could get a couple names that were big splashes, other people would come. Uh, but that's going to be the big challenge: is getting that first name or two that actually people give a shit about watching in order to make it take off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> make it people care about it. So, Shari, let me ask you: Do you think how do you feel about the uh, the one and done rule in college basketball? You know, um, I don't like it. Um, I have never really been a fan of it because. Not only are you, you know, it's just, it's just it's just a sham. I feel like it's just a sham. It's it's they go to school for one year. They have no intention of ever getting a degree. So why right. would they ever want to go to class? Why would they ever, you know, seriously give it a college try? I think it's just a sham. You know, I think it's just a way to pad the stats for coaches to pad wins onto their resume and add championships right. to the banner. And it's just you know, it's another racket that the NCAA puts over. On these kids, you know, another way to exploit them. Okay, well, you know, we're going to make you play for us for a year. And it's like a collusion they have with the pros to make them play for a year where anything could happen. They risk their careers every time they step foot on the field, on the court. Um, And um, I just think it's a sham. I've never liked the one and done rule. Um, You know, Memphis, you know, when Calipari was at Memphis, you know, we were in the spotlight because of that rule. And you see it now where he's in Kentucky and then Duke's been pulled into it. And it's just like, who does it help? You know, if it's it's, we see all this win at all cost um, uh, mentality in college basketball and you see scandals like Louisville and now you got Michigan State. So I think it's all just it's all a racket. And, you know, it just all goes back to just exploiting these players as for as much as they can. So why not just let so them? You, why not just let them go to the hot the call or the throws? It's their choice. They're adults at that point. Hey, if they if anybody can just you know anybody can fail in the world. So what are you protecting them from? You know, life's hard. Protect me from life. You know, you know what I mean. Right. So what are they really? They can't say they're trying to protect the players. Yeah, I mean, I think it's mess. There's no interest in the players whatsoever. I think it's messed up that um, they can't just opt out of it and go to the league. You know, like, you know, 
to go to your job interview or whatever, like whether you're qualified or not, go and then find out what happens. Uh, but as a fan of college basketball, uh, I do think it would be a bummer to not have those athletes. I mean, we, we saw that several year period whenever this rule didn't exist. And I think the product definitely suffered. But I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I would rather uh, see teams that I actually can recognize the person from year to year, right? Like if I'm watching Kentucky, how do you be a Kentucky basketball fan? You're going to buy a Kentucky basketball jersey every year? Like it, it's, com- it's completely ridiculous, but. Yeah, I'd like to see it go either towards the baseball. I mean, maybe not for basketball. I mean, I would. it has to be either go to the pros if you think you're good enough or, you know, you have to stay in college for two years, three years, they're, they're, you know, right. I, and I know that everyone everyone says that right, Be, and everyone's right that because there, there's really no reason to have these guys mandatory go to school for seven months and just kind of dick around for. I mean, it's, there's just no point. I mean, you look at Ben Simmons; he made a complete mockery of you know going to school at LSU, and you you even saw in his documentary he was like, "Yeah, I never went to class. Why would I? Um, my degree is going to be in basketball, so I don't. There's no point in me. I'm not here to go to school, so." Uh, and the reason he chose LSU was because school. it was an easier schedule. He didn't want to get hurt. So, uh, you know, he knew he was going to be the number one pick either way. And it's just like guys like that, fine, go. Um, go pro. But there are guys like that should stay in school for two to three years. You look at a guy like Brandon Ingram with the Lakers. You look at a guy like um, uh, what uh, Malik Monk with the uh, Charlotte Hornets. These guys – now, Brandon Ingram took two years to get going – Malik Monk doesn't even get off the bench um, because they weren't ready. They just were not ready for school or for the pros, I should say. And, you know, Malik Monk or De'Aaron Fox, any of these guys, you're telling me they couldn't stay in school for two to three years and come out a better. It's a better product for the NBA. It's a better product for college basketball. Yeah, I agree. Because, you know, you have guys like what Michael Ola with Candy, you know, mm-hmm. and, and then that was a bad product, not only for the college, but for the pros. It did definitely get to a point where it was just like, you know, they someone's got to do something, and that what they came up with was not the right uh, solution, in my opinion. But you know, until in some way, I mean, there's NCA is like a you know in all be all. No, there's no one governing them. So really, when right. is when is any of this going to change? And they, yeah, well, do you think that the NBA viewed it as a positive <sighs> thing too, because at least you're seeing whatever prospect you're scouting compete against college athletes versus whatever podunk high school i mean let's think about someone like zion williamson right now right um i i the the only reason i know much about him is because he's from the state where i grew up but um he's playing for some like tiny catholic high school with like i don't know probably like 400 kids in that high school and so they're playing in a league against a bunch of tiny high schools as well so he really never, I mean, you can tell that he has the measurables. You can tell that he's explosive. You can tell he's a good athlete, but he's never having to compete against anyone that's remotely as good as he is uh, on a week-to-week basis. So do you think that the NBA's version of like why they're okay with this is that they at least get another year to scout them against people that with a comparable talent? Well, yeah, that that's obvious. I mean, the NBA uses that one year, and I mean, the it's no secret that College basketball is the NBA's farm system. Um, there's no, you know, or, you know, if, even if we let these kids go into the D League or whatever, you know, that would be a better option than making a mockery of college basketball. But, um, yeah, all it is is a farm system to the NBA. I mean, yeah, it, Zion Williamson is a perfect example of that. 
And I feel like um, you that's where you the lead the, the teams can send out invitations to certain players, put them in a certain you know, put them in their D league team and let them play for a year, and they can evaluate them that way. Uh, there's there's alternatives. I understand. Yeah, you want to know you're not just risking millions of dollars on this this kid straight out of high school because there's maturity issues that go along with it as well. Um, Absolutely. You know, so there is, you know, that one gap year, as they call it, that, you know, between you and your graduate high school to, you know, when you turn 19, is a lot can change. So, um, you know, it's more, you know, you, you have a league by invitation. If there's certain guys that you believe in that you think are worthy of an invitation, that's all you can. That's all you really um, gamble on them. And if they pan out, then you offer them a contract. If not. They're they're free to go to college if they want, or you know, do whatever they like. Um, but I mean, baseball has the perfect system, right? It's like, look, either we'll draft you out of high school, you can come play here in our in our minor league system, um, and work your way up. Or I mean, hockey is the same way; it has a very good system. But if you go to school, you're there for two years, three years. In baseball's case, it's three years. Like, you know, but. These kids, like I said, if if one of these guys at the top, let's say the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies are awful. If they decide to draft Zion Williamson next year, then it's to say, hey, you're our number one pick, but you're going to the Memphis Hustle, which is their D league. You know, you're gonna play there for a year. It, it just, it kind of is what it is. We, the NBA has to stop using college basketball as its farm system, and you know, I think I think you'll actually get more athletes that decide to stay because. You know, there's a ton of people that aren't ready to go pro. You look at you look at some of the most successful guards in the NBA. You look at Damian Lillard and uh, and um, who's his backcourt mate, uh, CJ uh, shit, CJ McCollum. Both those guys, you know, four year starters at their schools, small schools, Weber State and wherever the hell McCollum went, I can't remember where that was. Lehigh, I think it was, and. You know, they come out balling. I mean, you look at Gordon Hayward, comes out balling. You know, so there's a lot to be said for staying three or four years in school. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. So, all right. Let's get let's get to it. Shari, what are you into besides besides the sports? Oh, like, you know, uh, in, in like uh, the zeitgeist, I guess. I like uh, – I'm really into uh, <laughs> trivia. I do a trivia league every Tuesday. Um, Yo, I'm going to trivia right after this. <laughs> Jeopardy for like five, six years. I actually got an audition two years ago in Oklahoma City uh, to you know go out and you do the whole thing where you get the buzzers and you you know talk to the clue crew as they call it. So yeah, I'm really into that stuff. Um, I like watching documentaries and things about history and things like that. So I'm an eyeball when it comes to uh, just really being into like things like that trivia wise. Um, you got a fun fact off the top of your head? A fun fact. Okay. Um, Rutherford B. Hayes' wife was called Lemonade Lucy because she was so <laughs> against alcohol, she only served lemonade to her guests. Well, there you go. That is a fun fact. Lemonade Lucy. I'm telling you, since so I've, I think I've played on, your, on that trivia team a couple times. Um, is it the one in, at the Flying Saucer down in Memphis? We we used to do that one. We don't do that one anymore. We're, we're at Brookhaven now, but um, it's pretty much the same people, though. Okay, yeah. I mean, I, I got to say to the listeners out there and, and you know, you and your brother know everything. Like, the, if the, I, I can't throw a reference out that you guys, that one of you two doesn't know. Um, and 
for those of you listening out there, Shari and I used to we when we worked together. I mean, we would just sit and crack jokes and bust out the most random facts, trivia, whether it be sports, whether it be TV, whether it be movies, and we could say two or three words and instantly understand um, the reference that it was coming from. So, like, the wealth of knowledge that is Shari Lowry is insane. That Yeah, so I was really into that stuff. Um, so um, if I'm not watching, you know, something sports-wise, sports-related, you'll probably see me either watching Jeopardy or just, you know, watching some documentary on TV if I can find one. A lot of those Ken Burns PBS documentaries are on Netflix now, so, yeah, I've been watching. Have you watched the uh, Dirty Money one yet? No, that's on my list. That's on my. Oh, it's good. It's good. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna piss you off for like every two seconds, but it's good. Yeah, I mean, it's just you know people with lots of money screwing over people with not lots of money, uh, and the last episode, of course, is on Trump, but. Um, it's the whole thing's good though the very first one starts off uh with volkswagen and how they had the whole emissions scandal a couple years ago where they were like saying that their cars uh were under a certain emission but really they like tricked the test to say that it was and yeah it's just a bunch of stuff like that it's really good you should check it out and i've also i'm really into like uh, i just saw that they brought the godfather trilogy on netflix so I've watched, oh, yeah, I've watched all three of those this past week, so I might throw out a few random ass uh, Italian references. I almost called you Paisano earlier, and I was like, ah, that's, <laughs> that's random. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, I've, you know, those those are really good movies though, because they have a little bit of the historical aspect of seeing old America and uh, you know things like that. I don't know. That I you know I I may have heard that they were doing that, and um, I was not okay with it at the time. Um, you know, I because I think The Godfather is kind of one of those untouchable movies uh, that you just don't mess with. You know, and I mean, did you see the third one? Have you seen the third one as well? Yeah, I saw all three of them. The the, the third one was the uh, prelude or whatever. That yeah, that one was the one where um, he had Sofia Coppola in it, um, his actual daughter. Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah, not as good as the other two, but yeah, I still love them. Um, and The Goodfellas is on there too, so you know. Now, Goodfellas, I love. Yeah. You know, it's funny. We were just talking about how, like, the, I I think that there is a void of, like, a solid mob movie. I can't even think of the last one. What, The Departed? Uh, you know, I would say Scorsese, yeah. But he's he's kind of fallen off lately. Uh, as You know, he's put out a couple of movies that weren't on that level since then. So, yeah, I don't know. Probably The Departed. Also a hard movie to live up to, though. I mean, not, not. I mean, it's Scorsese. It's not like we're talking about me directing it. And I just got right. lucky, but like, <laughs> you know, um, I I feel like there's a void. There's no, there's no Netflix or Hulu series or about the mob. I mean, you know, if you talk about a series, what's the last one? Is the I heard Peaky Blinders was good, but I haven't watched that yet. Um, but I heard it's good and it's somewhat in that genre. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can't speak to whether or not that's up to those other, uh, pieces level. Would you say that we're in the, uh, the golden age of TV right now? Hmm. Wow. That's, that's, that's real hard to say. Cause how many golden ages are, have there been already? You know, I mean, back in what the fifties was a golden age when they freaking yeah. first, you know, developed the TV. Right. Um, I think, I think we have to be, I mean, we have so many good, 
directors and and actors that are seeing tv as a medium worth exploring now whereas i think before you were getting b-list c-list d-list sort of people um but like with hbo and netflix and all these places giving all these and even at a place like fx which i've heard gives a lot of freedom to their writers and their directors i think it i think it has to be I think it's just where we've broken the mold of the, you know, the the laugh track sitcom or the right. the nighttime. Which, which are making a comeback, by the way. You're starting to see a lot of that single camera um, shows come back around, like the Carmichael show on, on NBC. And uh, there's another one. that There's a couple on Netflix that you're starting to hear that laugh track again. And it's coming. And I've never been a guy who likes a laugh track. That's like Friends ruined it. For me, like I'll, like I'll decide when I laugh. I'll, I'll know when it's funny. Yeah, I, I don't need you to help me laugh, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I the the reason I say the golden age, like I, for me, you know, when we all were growing up in the '90s, like I can still I still watch half the shows that were, you know, I still today watch half the shows that were on in the '90s. Anytime Martin, Fresh Prince of Bel Air, Say by the Bells on, I'll probably watch it. Yeah, Seinfeld, Seinfeld holds up. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think all those shows hold up, but I guess I'm thinking more like you have never at any point in television history had a show that could pull off something like Game of Thrones pulls off or like Westworld or even Breaking Bad as far as just how much money goes into the, the production, how much money goes into the quality of actors that they're getting. Uh, we haven't seen anything like that at any point, I don't well, think, in TV history. And it's not only that, like, so the shows that I just mentioned, like, you guys remember growing up, it's like, even if you liked, I don't know, the Golden Girls, like, you had to be in front of your TV at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, right. or, or TGIF with Boy Meets World and, and Step by Step and all that. Um, you had to be in front of your TV or you missed it if you didn't record it on the VCR. But now, I mean, I, uh, another thing that contributes to the Golden Age is, like, you and I can all watch something at our own speed. I, I'm just now catching up to Game of Thrones, and I still haven't seen Breaking Bad, but I've watched The Wire. I've watched The Sopranos. I've watched, you know, Oz. There's so many things that I've watched that are from 15, 20 years ago that I'm just now seeing, and it's no appointment viewing. I can just watch it whenever the hell I want. Yeah, what the hell did you do if you missed an episode back then? You had to, like, I don't know, it was like an act of Congress. You had to wait till the DVD season came out to watch it? I don't know. Imagine there being, like, basically four shows that everybody watched, you know? Oh, right, there's right. so many different things to watch and to follow now that, like you said, Marcus, you, you, you haven't even gotten to Breaking Bad yet because you're on Game of Thrones. I'm just starting right, to get right. in the Sons of Anarchy, you know? And I know some I know people are like, they love that show, and I'm like, I'm just now starting it. Yep. And I think that's that's the best. It's legitimately the best thing ever. I, and I I would hope, for instance, you take a show like The Walking Dead, like I, I which I thought was a solid show. I think it's crap now, but um, I think that if The Walking Dead had come maybe five years later, we wouldn't have to wait Sunday to Sunday to watch it on um, AMC. That would have gone to HBO or gone to Netflix, and then you can you know, release 12 episodes at a time. And it's a better show at that point, because the, the one thing that I still find with network TV, I mean, the walking dead or, or, um, there's a couple shows I, I can't really think of it right now, but there's so many filler episodes because you have to either in a sitcoms case, do 25 episodes or in a, you know, in a hour long show, you do 16 episodes and there's like six episodes that just shouldn't be there. Um, so I think that, 
you look at a show like The Punisher that just came out a couple months ago. I finished that shit today. <laughs> I mean, it, it was, I thought it was just so well done. It had me hooked, and I didn't have to wait till next Sunday to watch it. And there's so many shows that, you know, that we can do that with that I don't know how people will ever go back to if they go back to appointment viewing. Yeah. Yeah. Point of no return. Yeah. Which is a great thing, though, right? Like, now, yes. let me ask you something. You and I both know the theater industry pretty well. Do you do you see that like affecting movies at some point? Because when you talk about a movie like Bright, the latest Will Smith movie on Netflix. Um, so when it came out, it Rotten Tomatoes and a lot of the movie uh, critics trashed it as the worst movie of all time. Um, later to find out that in other articles they. They, they figured out that the only reason that they trashed it, because most of the audiences love the movie, but the only reason mm-hmm. they trashed it was because they didn't want to see, you know, big studios didn't want to see movies skip the theater and go straight to Netflix. What do you think about that? Three, um, I um, think we started seeing a few of those straight to, you know, on-demand movies, you know, with people like Bruce Willis and stuff, you know, it's like on-demand, you know, get it now. But Netflix really has changed the game, especially when they did the streaming so right. why not? I mean, I think you know. Even was it Adam Sandler had like a, a big contract with Netflix, and he yeah, did, like, like he does all his movies yeah, yeah. through there. And so, I mean, why not? I mean, it's another it's another avenue to to reach people, and it's a way to let's sort of circumvent the 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 studios because that's all they're really into is the money aspect of it. So, right. of course, yeah. I don't know if you guys caught it during the Super Bowl, but uh, they played an ad for Cloverfield beginning or whatever it was, you know, I don't remember the actual name. It's the a prequel, prequel to Cloverfield. Yeah. Lane they played the Lane. ad and then they're like now streaming on Netflix. Like they announced the ad and then like seconds later posted it on the site so you could watch it. Like that's amazing. Why would you not, why would that not be the future model? I, I, I totally agree. So the theater business, what we're seeing now is we're getting, we're finding gimmicks to bring more people in. Um, we're getting recliner chairs in all of our, our theaters. We're bringing in bars in all of our theaters, not just a few locations. Uh, right, Paradiso right. brought in the IMAX. There's so the right. theaters definitely are starting to get nervous. Um, so they're, you know, they're trying to respond with these extra amenities. All these theaters are serving, you know, food, not just popcorn and candy. You can buy food like a chicken sandwich or a panini and have it delivered to your theater chair. So you definitely I mean, see. I mean, I would be bummed if the theaters completely went away. Like me and my girlfriend have made it a yearly tradition here lately to go at Christmas to see the Star Wars film at the theater. And That's pretty much what? the only time I go to the theater. But Caleb, it's... I just want you to know. That yeah. people like me and Shari, we hate motherfuckers like you and your girlfriend. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Christmas, yeah. New Year's, and the Fourth of Ju- and Thanksgiving, Fourth of July. Those are th- the, every theater. Every theater employee just hates their life. Well, that's when they're putting out the movies too. So you understand, right. and people are like, "Are you guys open?" It's like, do you not watch the previews on Christmas, <laughs> coming Christmas? Yeah, well, 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 you know, GD, well, we're open. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but uh, it's. I think that's part of the reason why I don't know if theaters will ever truly go away. Um, yeah. 
and even now theaters are starting to show old movies. We show old movies all the time, like anniversary yeah, of, of Casablanca. We showed it, and people came and paid money to see it on the big screen. So I don't think you'll see theaters go away completely, but they definitely are nervous about this, you know, on-demand or straight-to-Netflix, you know, type. Of- but there, there is still a lot to be said to be said for the theater experience, right? Like, you look at horror movies. Like, I think a movie like Get Out or, Shari, with, like, paranormal activity. Yeah. Scared the hell out of me. But when I watched it, I, I watched the second one um, at my house, and it just didn't scare me. It wasn't as good. And I think that there are, you know, there all, will always be, you know, room for the theater experience, especially when it comes to really, like like a movie like Avatar should be seen in the theater. Even well, that's what I was about to like say. Should be seen in and Caleb said the Star Wars yeah. movies, they go see them at the yeah. theaters. Definitely. That's where you need to see yeah. them. Yeah, that's, that's really what I think if the uh, studios were smart, they would put out at least one or two movies a year where you have to experience in theater. Like I'm thinking Dunkirk from last year. I don't know if you guys saw that in theater, but like uh, with the the sound effects on that one, it it made the movie completely different if you saw it in theater versus watching it on your tiny screen at home or whatever. And that's another one of those movies you could bring back on a yearly basis and be like, hey, come get the Dunkirk experience here at the theater. What do y'all think of the superhero movies? Like, like, what are your just general opinions of those? Are you a Marvel person, DC person, or do you see any difference that you think they're saying? We actually talked about this on the show last week, and I think it's I think it's too big at this point for me to keep up with. Like, it just is exhausting to try to follow everything that's going on. Like, I loved uh, the Batman trilogy that Nolan did. But as far as the Marvel Cinematic Universe and trying to figure out which movie ties into this movie and which movie leads into this movie, it's it's too much for me. But I think I, I understand why they're doing it, and it it's cool for those that are keeping up with it. But I lost track at some point, and I can't get back into it at this point. I feel yeah, like kind of, go ahead, go ahead, Marcus, go ahead. I was gonna say I'm kind of in that boat as well. I mean, listen, I I love the X Men series, the 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 latest reboot, but. I'm tired of seeing Spider-Man being reboot every five years. I, I really did love the um, the Christopher Nolan Batman, obviously, but you know I thought the Justice League was awful. I thought that um, the uh, Suicide Squad was awful. There, I think it's just now. With that said, a lot of the Captain America movies have been great. Um, I'm looking for forward to Black Panther for you know multiple reasons you know yeah the all-black cast it's supposed to be a great movie so for cultural reasons and for entertainment reasons i'm very excited about that but as a whole i'm kind of over it now with that said the last logan was very good but yeah as a whole i think i'm over it I, the thing i had the problem with the marvel cinematic universe is feels like i have to watch every damn movie they put out in order to understand the next movie they put out right. like right. i don't want to have to watch thor in order to understand what's going to happen in Captain America. Like, I haven't seen all the Marvel movies, so am I not going to understand Black Panther? Am I, am I not going to be able to enjoy it as much since I haven't followed every damn movie in the cinematic and, universe? And I appreciate what they're doing to make the continuity throughout the entire universe through, you know, different movies, different directors. But sometimes you need something just to stand alone every once in a damn while. Just to kind of... Do I, I, do I need the B-list superheroes movies i don't need ant-man i don't need i don't need aquaman i don't i don't need black widow or, or hawkeye like i just don't need those movies like captain america i get 
Black, Pan- Black Panther, I get. Batman, I get. Superman, I get. But, you know, I, by the way, is there a reason why they haven't made, haven't figured out, like, Robin or Nightwing or how that ties into Batman? Like, are they ever going to do that? Because there's potential. Well, there. Nolan didn't want to do it because he thought he's kind of a corny character. And to be honest, he is That's kind fair. of a corny character. That's fair. <laughs> That's, That's fair. fair. That's fair. I mean, no matter which incarnation you take of Robin, there's been several of them. You know, yeah. each one has his, you know, detractor. So you're just kind of like, meh. It's just better not to even try. And then, you know, what what Nolan did do where, you know, what Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character was Robin, it was kind of like, yeah, see, I I could have gone without that. So I think Joel Schumacher just pretty much fucked any chance of anyone ever taking Robin seriously on the big screen. Those movies are also on Netflix. And I I got through Batman Forever, couldn't finish Batman and Robin just because it was just, you know, so – yeah, I think Robin, I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever see anyone go after the Batman-Robin dynamic. We might see a Nightwing. You know, we might see after Robin, but I don't know if we'll see a, a dynamic duo. That, that may be a cool, like, Netflix series that people can yeah. get into. Because, like I said, I don't, I don't need a movie about it. But if you can make a badass show, I'm kind of interested at that point. I think you could make that character, that character relatable, but... It's so ham-fisted in every iteration we've ever seen of, of it. It would have to take a completely different direction, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. true. So what's the temperature of the release for Black Panther coming out? I mean, we, that's coming out Friday, right? Thursday night. So, you know, you, you guys listen to the soundtrack yet? I have not. Oh, it's good. It's real good. I, I, I like it. I mean, Kendrick pretty much produced the whole thing. Um and yeah, it's good. I mean, like at least half of it's really good, and most of it's very listenable. Hmm. So, so, are people as a whole excited about this? I mean, what, what's the anticipation for this movie coming out? I mean, you know, numbers wise. Oh, I think um, we're you know expecting it to be. I would say you know, I mean, you can't get you can't gauge it you know to Avengers numbers you know that big, but it'll definitely be. You know, like what Deadpool did, I think it'll be able to pull those type numbers just because the hype is getting so big around it. And now you you even mentioned, you know, it's got a lot of cultural significance. You know, um, we had a guy buy out our entire theater for for um, uh, next Saturday, the Saturday after the movie comes out. He's he bought off every screen. So we're uh, coming in at 8 a.m. and running Black Panther for kids in the city. You know on, what I mean? six, on 16 screens? Yeah, yeah, every single that screen. Oh, except for the incredible. IMAX, so it's 15. Okay. So, yeah. you know, and he, he just wants kids in the city who might not be able to afford it to be able to see this movie because it's just so important. So That's it's just it's just becoming this big thing. It's just becoming more than a movie yeah, at this point. Well, it's gotten a lot of positive buzz. Like, I, I feel like I read an article on, like, Reddit every day that's praising uh, the cultural landmark that it is or whatever. Uh, are the 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 superhero landmark <laughs> because of the cultural landmark? Um, so yeah, I think I think it'll probably be pretty big. We didn't mention Deadpool a second ago, but I think that's another one of those essential ones because it's it's uh, super self aware and making fun of the entire genre. So I hope we don't see those disappear anytime soon. I think Deadpool kind of reinvigorated this whole thing, like yeah. with Guardians I, of the I, Galaxy I, I, and Deadpool, they kind of brought a different kind of breath of fresh air 
to right, this right. whole thing. And um, it kind of reinvigorated. You saw Logan kind of go dark. And I think, why the hell have they not been doing this with Wolverine movies from the start? This oh, is right, how you right. make a Wolverine movie. Every Wolverine movie should have been rated R from the damn go. because he's just- And that's yeah. what you and I have always talked about. It's like, if ra- if it's rated R, I'm watching. If it's not, I'm not. <laughs> well, I definitely think Deadpool is going to be a tentpole in this whole you know, the uh, superhero thing just because of how it kind of turned the corner on what it was starting to become. And now it's kind of it's it became fresh. It's going to start becoming stale again soon. But right. um, Deadpool definitely was a shot in the arm that um, they needed. You know. So, so yeah, well, well, sorry. Sorry. What other movies? So typically, I'm I'm not into a ton of action movies. I mean, that's just not. It's never really been my thing. The one thing I will say though, I think it's harder and harder. And I don't know if we're in a place to where maybe we can start to see a shift back to actual films, you know, actual good movies, because you look at the movie with, um, it just came out, it was, it was with Tom Hanks and um, Meryl Streep, The Post, that was good, not great, and it seems like they, they threw it in there for Oscar consideration, you know, just at the end, it felt rushed, and, you know, I just, I feel Spielberg's like there's not... kind of lost it, huh? Oh, yeah, he's kind of lost yeah. his... Um... Lincoln, yeah, I think, yeah. was his last one that I think, you know, you could see his, you know, okay, this is a Spielberg movie. And he's got that right. Ready Player One coming out soon, so I have hopes for that. Yeah. But yeah, that you're right. Really good, you're right. He has kind of. But anyway, go ahead. I was just saying that that was a disappointment coming oh, I, from so such a say, great director. Yeah. Are we going to are we gonna see a turning point back to where we can actually, because I, I've learned that I've enjoyed a lot more of the indie films than the big screen films. I mean, you look at a movie, I'm, I'm, the one I'm thinking of in particular last year was Moonlight, that a lot of people didn't really see in theater. And I, I, I watched it on an airplane and I just thought it was so fantastic. And those are the type of movies I love. And if they come into the theaters, they don't stick around long. And you know, there, there's not much fanfare behind them. Do, do we think that we're going to get to a point where we shift back to those type of films and not just you know the studio... Uh, you know, hundred million dollar budget. Um, I mean, I think you just mentioned that Moonlight was kind of it was a really big movie because last year Moonlight was here and gone in Memphis. Like it, it never came to Paradiso. It was at Ridgeway, which is a terrible movie. You know, it's where the old people go watch movies. Right, right. So mm-hmm. it was a terrible place for them to put it. <laughs> it was there for like three weeks and. It was gone. And by the time it was gone is when all the buzz had really built up around it. And people were calling us, asking us why we didn't have it. And we were having to explain to them, it's already left Memphis. It's not coming back. And now this year, we've gotten three billboards. We're getting Phantom Thread. We're getting dark. We're getting more indie movies than we've ever gotten. Because Moonlight came out of nowhere and just kicked everyone's ass. La La Land was the darling of everyone's you know, everyone last year and Moonlight came out of nowhere and really just kind of was like, hey, guess what? There are a lot better movies out there than what the studios are trying to tell you are good. And Moonlight really... Well, that's encouraging. That's encouraging because I was about to have a really cynical answer about how most Americans want their big blockbuster explosions where they turn their brain off, whatever. Um, So the fact that it does seem like the actual populist wants 
that sort of movie I think is encouraging because I yeah I was about to be like all snarky about it <laughs> so that's good to hear and you're you're absolutely not wrong I mean why would they still be making those movies I mean they do a lot of money um, but I will say that we do have a very very high demand for whenever um, certain movies like that come out they do really well here so you know maybe we are trying to trying to make a, a turn back um, but who knows, you know, soon, as soon as I say that we'll have, you know, another mindless, you know, fatties type movie come out, you know, Eddie Murphy in the clumps three. And then, right. you know, we're back to, you know, okay, I was wrong. <laughs> right. You know, and there, there's, there's so many movies that I think can still be made. Um, but yeah, it's like we just talked about, they just don't get the time of day because, you know, people see how successful these superhero movies are. And, it, and it's like, wow, I can make, you know, a billion dollars off of a hundred million dollar budget or whatever the case may be. I mean, that's I think not really more so than the superhero movies was really what really killed the industry was remakes, reboots. Yeah. yeah. Um, people couldn't make original ideas. Like, and that's when things really started getting real big trouble for the movie industry. I mean, well, let's talk about that because we, I mean, you talk about how they couldn't make, but I think it, it was. It wasn't the studios a, didn't want to put the money into correct. It wasn't from ideas, an idea yeah. standpoint. TV has become awesome because of it. We we go back yeah, to this yeah. because of what the studios didn't want to do. Netflix, Hulu, Amazon—they're willing to do FX, AMC. So you know, I think maybe that's why we are in the golden age of TV because you know the studios are just really interested in retreading old ideas. Streaming's allowed super low distribution costs from those places, so they're able to take risk. They're able to be like, "Hey, here's you know, a couple couple million dollars. Go make your go make your show, and you know, if it works out, we'll give you more. If it doesn't, whatever. We didn't spend a ton of money trying to market it and send it out to all these theaters and uh, send it out to all these blogs or whatever. We just threw it up on the site we already had set up. Any remakes do you really consider were worthy of being remade that you felt were necessary to be remade? Like, I can't really right, right. name that many. It's like the originals usually stand on their own and there's no reason to remake them other than they can't think of anything else. I mean, well, even, well, even you look at them, not, not only just remakes, it's like, you know, you do something that bad boys, for instance, you had bad boys one, 10 years later, you had bad boys two. And now 20 years later, you're getting bad boys three. And it's just like enough. Like we don't need it. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, we don't, we don't need step brothers to anchorman. Yeah, two. anchorman like, two did the same thing. No one thing. cares. But let me, so let me ask you guys this, where, which is the best medium to you? Is it, is it Netflix? Is it HBO? Every time HBO comes out with a series, I am interested. I, I, I'm instantly interested. Like, I bet that's going to be fantastic. Whereas, far, as, as opposed to Netflix, like, oh, that could be good. That could be good. But I trust HBO so much. However, it's just such a competitive landscape right now that I'm wondering if that's going to be the case for long. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely trust Netflix more as far. I mean, no, sorry, HBO more. As far as if they put something out, I'm going to give it a shot just because the HBO names on it. Whereas just because Netflix put something out, I'm not going to necessarily watch it. But if I see Netflix original beside it or whatever, I am going to take a second to like look it up on, on IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes or something and see what people are saying about it. And then I might watch it. Um, I mean, I, I think both of them have definitely built a level of street cred where it makes me interested because I'm like, all right, this is going to be 
non-network television. So they're actually going to like be raw about things. You know, they're not going to bleep out stuff like it's going to be uncensored, whatever. Uh, and they're going to tell some sort of real story. So I, I care about it more automatically. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Is, is there a show that you guys would... I, well, uh, Shari, do you have cable? Okay, so Caleb and I don't have cable. But is there... I'm, I'm trying to think, is there a show that you would... If you didn't have cable, that you would consider getting cable for? Like for me, it was The Shy um, that's on Showtime. Um, directed and written by Lena Waithe and it's just fantastic like it's one of my favorite shows out there again it's Sunday to Sunday so that kind of sucks but I I actually considered renewing cable just for that show Caleb do you have a show like that um, for me it's Veep um, I really? really love Veep um, it was okay. um, you know Julie Louis-Dreyfus because she's just you know oh, it's just been yeah, I like you know, I love Seinfeld and yeah. like um like even her other shows like Old Christine and stuff like that. She's just really funny lady to me. And amazing, um, yeah. Veep is just like one of those shows. The way it's written, how quick they are, and just you know the, the things that they say. It kind of makes you realize that you know people in politics aren't re- have really no more common sense than regular people do. It's just that somehow yeah. they got in that position. You know, she has no more common sense than the regular person, but. Somehow through, you know, things in her life, you know, she's the vice president. But Veep was just such a show I found, you know, online, you know, you know on bootleg. And I, I watched a few uh, episodes of it. And then I think we had like a free weekend or something. Or when we uh, changed cable companies, we had it HBO for three months. And uh, right. it just happened to be the during the, the time that the season had started. So, yeah, um, I don't have it anymore, but it was definitely a show that. I, I just watched HBO just for that because I was like, oh, okay, well, that's the channel that Veep's on. Um, Homeland, when it first came on, was really one of those shows for me, too. Uh, I think that's, that's on Showtime. That's on Showtime. Yeah. So, um, like, the first three or four seasons of Homeland, I just was hooked. Um, but, you know, I haven't really watched as much now that I don't have, um, you know, the premium channels. But those two shows, I think, maybe, like, like three or four years ago, you know, were when, when they were in their heyday, I was just, like, really hooked on those. Yeah, I mean, I don't really have anything like that only because I can find a way to find pretty much anything. But let's say that I wasn't willing to get my hands dirty and I would only pay for things that I could reach. I mean, there's some HBO shows like Game of Thrones or Westworld that I would subscribe for. Uh, Showtime show like American Gods. But I can't think of anything that's on network television that I would be like, man, I have to see that. Like, I really like some network television. Um, me and my girlfriend watch Broad City a lot. Uh, Comedy Central. Yeah, it's it's super good. But would I spend extra money if I couldn't get that for free? Uh, probably not. I mean, I like it, but I don't like it that much. Um, did, you guys- did you guys try to check out the uh, the newest, or the, uh, you talk about a reboot, when they brought back uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm? Oh, no, I did not. It just didn't have the magic. I I tried. I tried. I gave it three, four episodes. It just did not have the magic that the original Curb. Have you seen that? I mean, you like Seinfeld. If you like Seinfeld, you'll love Curb. Yeah. And it just, it just did not have it for me. Um, So that was, that was kind of disappointment. It kind of, it, it, it kind of made me stay away from, (laughs) you know, any, any further reboots. Like I said, if the show's been off the air for five, six, seven, ten years, Leave it the hell alone. Yeah, and they're they're, tr- they're trying yeah, to bring yeah. another season of it around. So, oh, that Better. reminds me, Shari, 
tell me you heard the news. Um, they are trying to reboot Martin. Did you see that? <laughs> yes. Oh, I knew. I, I, uh, the biggest disappointment ever. So that obviously that's one of I know it's one of yours. It's definitely one of my favorite shows of all time. And you know, a one of the main characters died last year, and b the fifth the 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 last season was so bad that <laughs> I just I I can't unsee it. You know, I I I I'm not excited for them to bring that back at all. And you know, just even knowing like the behind the scenes stuff that was going on, it's just right, I right. just don't think it's it just it just sounds like a bad idea, just a bad idea. You know, um, but <laughs> um, it's a cash grab, I guess. But I, I I'm where, not. Where do you go with where do you, even a show like Roseanne, where do you go with that? John Goodman died at the end of that that show, so like that that never happened. I honestly, I think oh, that's exactly what they said. They're just going <laughs> to act like that never happened. Okay, not even address it either. Just like he he's still alive. You know, Tower like it's a dream, like uh, Dallas, like yeah. a dude. Uh, alternate <laughs> universes, man. He's in a snow globe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like do do we? Okay, so yeah. Yeah, we know you saw John Goodman die, but uh, guess who's back? Like, I mean, what do, what do you do? I'm going to feel gaslighted a little bit. Like, did I actually see that, you know? Yeah. Are they trying to convince me that that didn't even happen? I suppose <laughs> <laughs> uh, We'll see. All right, before we get you out of here, um, any predictions with the NBA season, how it's going to go? Or you? T- we talked a little bit about, you know, the Warriors being the Warriors, but with Cleveland making the big trade that they made at the deadline, basically getting a whole new team, and they looked fantastic um, yesterday, and they beat the hell out of Boston. They beat the crap out of Boston. Yeah. Um, you you have any uh, any predictions? you think it's going to be Cleveland again? Do you think Houston can overtake um, Golden State? What do you think is going to happen for the NBA season? Uh, it's going to come down to Cleveland – or, sorry, um, uh, Golden State and Houston. I don't know if Golden State – or Houston can be Golden State in a seven-game series – um, just because they haven't done it before. <laughs> I always trust a team that's been there before, you know, right, right. always. You know, a team that knows how to win. That's why you always go with the Patriots versus the Jaguars. I'm sorry. Right, right. But yeah, yeah, the Jaguars don't know how to win. The Patriots know, know nothing but winning. So um, I just don't think Houston has enough. And plus, Mike D'Antoni is just – I just, I just think he's just a hack. Um, but I mean, he's a great offensive mind. Get me wrong, but I just don't he think is. he's a, a coach that can you know give his team that kind of medal. That's what's going to take to beat uh, um, uh, Oklahoma or sorry, I can't uh, Golden State. As far as the East, um, I think I really still think any team LeBron James is on is going to beat the the champion of that conference uh you know coming out of the east i still have no qualm i I don't think boston has enough to do what i just said about houston they can't beat uh cleveland in seven game series are you kidding me it's really just Kyrie and you know the irvinettes i mean well if if gordon hayward comes back i mean i listen he hasn't had a whole season it's not going to do him much i think boston is a year away now if gordon hayward had gotten if he hadn't gotten hurt i would have probably said boston has a shot but like you said it's Kyrie and a bunch of it's Kyrie and everyone else but Boston has a lot of young talent and they're getting you know a top 25 player coming back at the end of this year you know definitely going into next year so uh I'm excited to see that I think we're gonna I you know Caleb and I have talked about this before I think we're in a talent boom in the NBA I think there's a lot of you know good young talent on a bunch of different teams that you can watch um 
But we'll see where it goes as far as the NBA Finals is concerned. Do I think it's going to be Cleveland-Golden State? Probably. But, you know, I, I am hoping to see Houston upset him or, you know, San Antonio, who, whatever's going on with Kawhi, if he gets healthy, I'm excited to see that. Uh, all right, real quick, do you have a wish list for your Cowboys in the draft this year? I mean, my wish list more goes to, like, the front office and hoping Jerry Jones has a heart attack and – <laughs> and, and freaking, because I don't see any hope for Dallas as long as he's calling the shots. I mean, it's just you remember how it was with Al Davis. I mean, it's just like it's just like it's just, it's, it's it's a futile situation. Um, as far as the draft, though, I would I would I would definitely hope that we would um, look more on the defensive side of the ball. Um, you know, our defense was pretty. You know. Pretty, you know, sad. Um, offensive line always needs help. You know, Dak Prescott's always capping check down because it seems like he's always, you know, under duress. But you know, honestly, I think until Jerry's out of there, um, it's not. It's nothing's going to really matter. He's going to continue to hire these guys that have a terrible past because he's he's a bleeding heart. And ever since Randy Moss, he wants to take a chance on every person that comes past him that. Might have a pass because he don't want to miss out on a Hall of Famer, and then, you know, and then meanwhile he's letting you know guys go by, and I, and I love Zeke Elliott, but I feel like with the stuff that he had going, you know, coming into the league at Ohio State, you probably could have gotten a guy like Derrick Henry or someone else that could do just as well behind that offensive line, but won't give you as nearly many headaches off the field. So it really comes down to Jerry. I mean, as long I, as I Jerry's there, people. you know, it's Jerry's world. I've been telling people for years. Um, before Al Davis even died, once once I, you know, kind of uh, became content with watching how bad the Raiders were for so long, I, I remember telling Cowboys fans, I was like, "You guys better better watch this closely because that is a I see it. It's a mirror image. Jerry Jones is gonna be Al Davis, and you guys are gonna be rotten at some point." Now, with that said, Jerry Jones' grandson just committed to the University of Arkansas, so he and he's a I think a four star quarterback. So I'm kind of happy there. Um, but other than that, yeah, it's, it's going to be a long road until Jer until until Jura gets out of uh, get out of the way. Yeah. Hey, how, yeah old how old is he? Eighty. I don't think he's that old. Yeah, he's probably in seventies. Yeah. So I, well, I don't know because I thought Al Davis was going to outlive the Crip Keeper, and you know, I think finally someone, uh, you know, chained him to a, 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 a you know, the basement somewhere. Um, and finally, let started to become the crib keeper, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you know, hopefully, I don't, I don't wish that on you, but you know, I'm just letting you know that I've seen this movie before. Yeah, um, I know. So I, I'm just, I don't, I don't plan on jumping onto a bandwagon on another team. You know, there are some teams that you know I favor more than others, but I always, you know, well, if there's a team that I root for, it only be Dallas. Um, that being said, I root against plenty of teams, so that'll be you know that that what keeps me keeps me going is the hate. <laughs> I've been there. I've been there. I, it, the hate and the jealousy, like it'll start to fuel you after a while. So stay the wow. course. Oakland looks like they've got a future again. So uh, stay the course. You'll be fine. I mean, I tend to think Dallas is maybe even a playoff team next year. I may be absurd for saying that, but they were so up and down this year with. You know the inconsistency of their roster. I think if they have a healthy year, that they're a playoff team. No, it's not absurd. I mean, they went five and one in the division this year. I mean, they they better this yeah. year than they did last year in the division. So it's definitely not absurd. They're one game away. I mean, I think if they beat Seattle, you know, any any of those, you know, there's one game, you know, they could have been a playoff team. So it's it's not absurd. It's just 
how how they just find ways to lose games and how they find ways mm-hmm. to just fall apart. You know, Des Bryant's having tantrums, and then he comes in and has like a scissor hand moment, and just lets the ball go right through his fingers. So it's just, yep. you know, it's just it's a it's a it's a shit show. <laughs> um, so damn, I just blanked on what I was gonna ask you. Um, it wasn't about oh, uh, real quick before before we get you out of here again, are you gonna bring your podcast back? I know you had a podcast with you. Uh, and- we're gonna try to. It's, ever since he had the kid, you know, it's just. It's hard to find <laughs> time, you know. Yeah, since he had had the baby, um, it just really changes his schedule around a lot. But I think we, we will, you know, uh, definitely try to find time to get back into it. And then, you know, just the way the season ended last year, football just was just like, oh my god, it's it's right, you know, right. it, it it builds you up. You you're at the highest of highs and then you're at the lowest of lows. So you know, we're definitely have we continue to talk about the stuff that we did talk about. It's just matter of actually finding time sitting down and recording well when you do you're always welcome to come back on the show but and if you if you want to come back on and promote the podcast or if you want to come shoot the shit again you're always welcome this has been great fun thank you guys for having me yeah, yeah. good night everybody good night, good night.